Greetings everybody, it's a great blessing for me to come to you and bring you the gospel of God's grace once again. It's all about the power of his resurrection and what he has come to give us. He's come to give us his life, peace and to remove all condemnation and guilt from us and to declare us righteous and clean and bring us in a place where we can share in his quality of life. I would like to welcome everybody that is slotting into our web church for the first time, as well as all of our regular viewers. It's great to see people established in the good news of Jesus as we walk together in this life of God. Let us just pray together as we start the service. Father, I want to thank you so much for your grace and your kindness. I want to thank you for the love that you have towards us. Thank you that we can say our prayers to a God that hears us. Thank you that we can know that you have come to show us that the solution is you and what you've come to give us. And it is not found in us and in what we do. Thank you for making your life available to us for free. Amen and amen. In the last two weeks, we have been talking about how everything comes from the new life or by the resurrection power of God, as well as our inability to modify our lives. We are in a series when I'm speaking or preaching through Romans. Now in the last two weeks, I basically spoke more about the doctrine that is mentioned in Romans 6 and 7. And today I want to talk a little bit about the context and put a little bit more of a focus on the context and what Paul is trying to communicate uh, with these two chapters or what his line of thought is and why he says what he says. And we're going to learn some wonderful things today. Uh, we're going to look at uh, how the law works and what the law has come to bring forth and what the message was through all of that. But as we start in Romans chapter 5, and we're just giving a bit, little bit of a background there, what Paul says in Romans chapter 5 is that Abraham was justified by faith and not in his flesh. He, the, uh, God blessed him before he was circumcised, before he had a law to obey, uh, before anything was done in his flesh so that he could have confidence in the flesh. Before any of that, God blessed him. Then Abraham believed, and after he believed, there was a sign given, which was then the circumcision. And in that circumcision, we see that it is a removal of flesh. So what it actually means is that the type and the shadow of this was, well, in the circumcision, but the reality of this is that God, as we have believed and trust upon him, he will remove the death in our flesh from us and he will bring life to us. So in chapter 5, it focuses and the focus is all on it is by faith. And then in chapter 6, it comes and it talks about uh, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now that is something that we need to understand was addressed to the Jews. Chapter 5 is all about uh, writing to the Jewish people in the congregation and churches that is in Rome. He's writing to them and he knows that in his letter which would be read publicly there would be a great amount of Gentiles sitting there. So what he's doing is he's speaking to the Jews 
but he cleverly knows that the Gentiles are also hearing this message. And what he has in mind is, I'm going to tell these Jews how wrong it is to find their confidence in the flesh, how wrong it is to say that I am, uh, I make my boast in the law and in the fact that I am a Jew. And I'm going to explain to them the dynamics of how legalism and law brings death and the purpose of all of that. And then I will have these Gentiles uh, on the side which will say, yeah, amen. We told you Jews, it is now our Gentile gospel and it is now for us. And then Paul is, is lining up the Gentiles actually here. He's teaching the Jews in, and correcting them in the presence of the Gentiles to just later on in Romans turn to the Gentiles and say to them, well, everything that I have now uh, told these Jews applies to you also. So don't take any confidence in your flesh or in the fact that you are not a Jew and a Gentile. The confidence is not there. The confidence is, as I've explained to all the Jews, in the Lord and not in our flesh. So we are now going to look at chapter 6 here where he is addressing the Jews again and he's telling them, listen guys, uh, we should not continue under the law. Now if we read this today, uh, it, it, it's basically, it's not even supposed to be applicable to us. But what has happened in the church is that we have become so flooded with legalism and a mixture of law and grace that it is basically applicable to us today. Uh, but the context here is um, that the law entered that the offense might abound. And that is what Romans 7 is all about. So I'm touching quickly on Romans 5 here. We're going to run quickly through 6 and then you're going to see in Romans 7 the, uh, the explanation of the passage in Romans 5 20 where it says the law entered that the offense might abound. Now let us read Romans 5 verse 20 and 21. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So, what we need to understand in this passage is that the law entered that sin, that the offense might abound. It doesn't mean that God gave the law so that you can become more guilty before God. That's not what it means. What it means is the law was given so that we could actually see how big our problem is. The Jews thought that the problem was the Gentiles. And the Jews thought that the problem was maybe here and there a person that doesn't really obey the law uh, or that kind of a thing or people that in their flesh or in their minds are not willing to do what God says. That's what they thought the problem is. But the major problem to the Jews was these Gentiles that are oppressing us. But then the law was given that they can, that the problem might become bigger all of a sudden. The problem is not the Gentiles anymore. I find that the problem is me. The problem is 
death itself. The problem is mortality. So what the law came to do is it came to show the magnitude of the problem, what the true problem is. And as we saw what the true problem is, and as it became bigger in our eyes, you know, like you might say, well, I think my problem was that I've got, um, you know, a headache. And then you go to the doctor and he says, well, we, there is a problem. There is a medis medicine that we have for, for the kind of headache that you have and you will be healed from this headache. But we just want to say uh, that the true problem is not a headache. The headache is there because you've got brain cancer. But we have this pill that can cure it. So when you went to the doctor, you knew there is medicine for headache, but you thought it was just um, to the magnitude of an aspirin or something that can help headache. But when you realize that the true problem is cancer, and you also now realize that this medicine can heal you, the power of the medicine was also increased in your mind. It is a bigger solution than what you thought, it was more powerful than what you thought, but the problem was also bigger than what you thought. So what it says is, when sin abounded, grace did much more abound. We realized that the problem through the law is in our flesh. It's in our inability to keep the law. It's in our mortal bodies. But now we find that, um, and we realize that the problem here is actually in my flesh. And then we come to the conclusion that by ourselves we can do nothing good unto life. And the law was given that we can come to that realization so that as verse uh, 21 says, that as sin is raised unto death, that even so might grace or God's ability to keep his prom prom promise reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So what is, is, is two things he's saying there. He says, well, one thing, first it was by yourself, and now you realize the problem is I cannot do it by myself, so that it can be through grace by Jesus. So why was the law given? The law was given so that you could have no confidence in the flesh and confidence in Christ. The law was given so that man could see how big his problem is, is so that we can come to the bottom line conclusion that if God has promised us life, that his grace is bigger than what we ever thought, even bigger than our problem, so that it can be by him and not by us. Now, Paul writes this in a very difficult way. I so many times wished that it could just be in plain text. And there are many people that say, if it doesn't come forth as just a simple reading of the Bible, that it is not true. But I want to say to you that the simplicity of what we talk about here, explained in our context, will make absolute sense to us. But if we read a document here that's almost 2,000 years old, that was written to another culture, we have to enter that culture. And we have to look at the context wherein it was said. And then when we understand the culture, and when we understand what was going on there, we can see the truth of it, Put it into our culture, into the here and now, and see the simplicity of it. As Christians, we are studying the ancient documents, 
and the letters that was written, for in them is great truth and great inspiration that should we understand it and apply it to our culture here and now in true context, we will find great power from it and great blessing from it. So, I almost want to say, I apologize that it can sound uh, a bit complicated, but it's actually not that complicated, and we're going to look at it in our lives today and see the simplicity of it. But let me just summarize the first part here. What Paul says is this. We thought that the problem was the Gentiles, and the problem was not the Gentiles. We've come to realize that the law was given, and when the law was given, our sin issue became a very big sin issue. We first thought that our sin issue is, uh, you know, we don't keep the law here and there, but it's all in our willpower. We must just, um, you know, get our act together and do what God says and things will be okay. But now we found that when the law was given, we found that, man, we as Jews, we are just as guilty or as much as sinners as the Gentiles. We're not a light unto the Gentiles. We find weakness in ourselves. We find there's something very big wrong. And the law is pointing to our flesh that there is something wrong in your flesh. You boast in the flesh. We are Jews. Then you have a law. And then you as, as, as Jews should obey the law and thereby be blessed. And you find you cannot obey the law. So what is the conclusion? There's something wrong with my flesh that I was boasting in. So what would the solution be? Solution wouldn't be for God to come and kill Rome. The solution would be for God to heal my flesh. And the way God's going to heal the flesh is by taking away the power of sin in the flesh and provide sinless flesh as our destination by the Spirit that would bring that forth in us. So all of a sudden, we've got a much bigger problem, but glory to God, there's a bigger solution to a bigger problem, a better solution to, to what, a bigger solution than what we ever thought. Okay, so now it goes on in Romans 6, verse 1, and he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? There are other words when we can say that, and I, I wrote it here, um, in the notes it says, what shall we then conclude as pertaining to the law? Shall we continue to live under the power of sin and death so that we can see we have a bigger problem than what we thought we had? No, not at all. God did not show us the solution for no reason. Let us walk in the solution and enjoy our new lives in him. The reason why Paul says this in Romans 6 is that he knows that there are some Jews there that's going to try and find loopholes to keep confidence in the flesh. We are the people of God as the Jews. So what are you saying to them? Okay, now that you are a Christian, you might say, well, we're going to do the world a favor. We're going to stay under the law. And as we stay under the law and our inability is shown, it will be a sign to all people that... You cannot be saved by your own works. So should we now continue that grace may abound? In other words, that we can see there's a greater solution. So shall we continue in the law system to be justified by the law so that we can see that we need um, to, uh, uh, that there's a greater solution? So should we keep the law? He says, no, why shall we keep the law? God did not reveal this 
so that we can keep on in death. He revealed this so that we can move on to Christ as the answer. Why would you continually go to the doctor to be diagnosed with a sickness? If you know you've got the sickness and you know this is the problem and you know what the medicine is, my goodness, you know, let, let's say you've got, um, you feel weak and you think, well, I just feel weak in my muscles. The solution is to go to the gym. And now you go to the gym and you start to exercise, but you find the more I exercise, the weaker I become. So what is the conclusion? There's something wrong with my body. The problem is bigger than what I thought. I thought I could solve it by going to the gym. But then you realize you cannot solve it by going to the gym. You've got a bigger problem. You go to the doctor. The doctor diagnoses you and he finds that the problem is some muscular thing that you have. And, that is, and then you find, well, I've tried the wrong thing. I cannot solve this. I need something from outside of me to fix me. And they've got this wonderful medicine that can now heal you. What will you do? Will you now continue to go to the gym to see that the problem is with your body so that you can know that you need medicine? Will you continue to go to the gym every day? No, you're going to stop to go to the gym. The revelation that the, the weakness is in your flesh and that you cannot solve it by yourself, that revelation causes you to now die to the solution of jimming your problem away. You need some other medicine that comes from a, a person that is highly intellectual, that has studied, and through science they've, they've come to, a, to some conclusion on how to solve this, and you need to drink certain medicine and whatever, and then you'll be okay, and stop to eat certain food maybe, but mostly out of this medicine that you're taking, you're going to find healing for your flesh. So, in the very same way, Paul comes and he says, shall we, shall we, who's the we he's talking to here about? The Jews. Shall we as Jews be a continual example to ourselves and to all the world that um, we cannot do it by our own works so that everybody can see that it is by grace? No, not at all. And let me read again my um, paraphrase of Romans 6 1 there it says what shall we conclude as pertaining to the law shall we continue to live under the power of sin and death so that we can see we have a bigger problem than what we thought we had no not at all God did not show us the solution for no reason let us walk in the solution and enjoy the new lives in him Jesus died and was raised so that we can have life by him we should not continue in that which reveals sin in the flesh. We are now dead to the law life, or life by the law, which turned out to be no life at all. Your source of life is now the resurrected Jesus. We are not living from the death of our mortal bodies anymore. We get our strength from his immortal resurrected life. The law was given so that we could see that it was not by our flesh, but by him. Since it's by him, don't you know that it's not by yourselves anymore? Don't you understand that everything changed uh, the day you believed on Jesus? When you placed your faith in him, you have entered his death to self-effort. 
Remember, Jesus was dead to self-effort. Jesus was raised from the dead because of God's life in whom, in whom he trusted. And we expect the same as we are now placed under the power of God's life in Jesus. So, what is Paul saying here? He says, you Jews, we're not continuing in the law. Why? Because as you continue in the law, you're going to continue in death. And God has now revealed through the law that we should move on to Jesus and trust him. Okay, now we're going to go to Romans 7 and we're going to just explain this kind of a phenomena um, here. Okay, we're going to go to Romans 7, and I'm going to read from verse 7. It says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I have not known sin, but by the law. Now he goes in chapter 7, and he's continuing his thought. He hasn't given the Jews a break. He says, listen, I've explained to you that you are now dead to the law, meaning the law has done its job. It has shown you that it is by grace and not by your flesh. So, Listen, don't try and find a loophole. I know that you guys like the fact that you were God's blue-eyed boys. And you're not going to do the world, neither yourself, a favor to continue to show how weak you are and have the manifestation of sin in the flesh, which is unto death. Hey, you are dead to that now. If you want life, remember, it's not by your flesh through the law. Believe on Jesus. And then he goes through the whole of Romans chapter 6, explaining how we've died with Christ, how we raised with him. And then he just takes a breath and says, well, let me explain it again. And then he goes in Romans chapter 7 and he's addressing the Jews again. This is still not actually for the Gentile eyes. It's for the Jews. But the Gentiles are standing on the side hearing how the Jews are being corrected. So he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I have not known sin, but by the law. For I have not known lust, except the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. And Paul comes and explains now from experiential knowledge. He says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. And I've put in the comments there, the commandment that was supposed to reveal life was actually revealing death. The holy commandment that was, we thought, bringing us life, we found that that was actually Showing us that we've got death in our flesh. We thought that we as Jews, the law was given to us. We got special people. Therefore, God gives only to us as a nation the way of life. And this way of life, we're going to walk on that, which is the law. And this way of life, we will then teach to certain Gentiles, to Gentiles that want to learn. And so life is going to come all over the world. But we've now realized as we walk onto this, what we thought the way of life was, was actually the way whereby God showed us that even in us as Jews, even in our flesh, is death. For sin, a desire, a condition where you have no life, but desire it, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just, and good. Wasn't that which was good, my death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear as sin, 
working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. So what Paul is saying is, let me explain to you how this works. This is how I have the revelation. I lived by the grace of God, and then one day I became legalistic again. And I tried to find my confidence in the fact that I am a Jew. And this I did after I received Jesus. So you Jews now, you've received Jesus. Now you think, this is not chapter 6, you can continue with the law. No, God has stopped that way of living. Let me explain to you. I'm going to explain to you from my own life. I was alive without the law once, but then I thought it wise to go back under the law. And as I found my confidence in the flesh, I found all of a sudden all the things that stopped to happen in my life after I've believed in Jesus is starting to find its manifestation again. Now that was amazing. Um, I had no confidence in the fact that I'm a Jew, but then when I started to find confidence in my flesh again, and I start to use my flesh in the law I found that my flesh is desiring life. I don't have life in my flesh. And I found sin revived. And I found the real me, the, if you want to call it like that, or the, holy, the one that wants what's holy and righteous is dying. Things are going backwards. And then I conclude, then he came to this conclusion. Now we're talking about the law entered that the offense might abound. So he says the law entered and then the offense abound. I thought that I was maybe not just doing the law, but now I realized I've got a bigger problem. What is the bigger problem? We see if we read on in Romans, he says there um, towards the end in verse 24, he says, and this is his conclusion, the abounding of sin. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He says, oh my goodness, in my flesh dwells nothing good. I thought my flesh was good, but now I find or to transserve God by human ability. I thought it was good, but I realized, no. I have a dying body and sin has become bigger. My problem has become bigger. I thought I was just transgressing a commandment, but now I've come to the revelation that it's not the transgressing of a commandment. It is, I've got a death problem. My problem is bigger than what I thought. I thought I'm just not doing a certain commandment, but I've now realized that my problem is I'm mortal. And that the mortal body does not possess the ability to keep the law. And that the law cannot actually give me life because my flesh doesn't have the ability to keep it. I've really got a problem. I need deliverance from a dying body. That is what I need. So the transgression, the sin became exceedingly sinful. My problem became really big. I thought it was just disobedience, but... It's like, let's say you, th there's a child that's disobedient and you find that he is, is, um, is not concentrating or he's a little bit away from his friends. And then later on you find, but this child has got some serious psychological problems. And as you put him through certain tests, you realize, but he's got serious, serious problems. 
And then you say, who is the psychologist? I'm just talking naturally here. That can deliver this child from the bondage that he is in. He needs help. The tests revealed the bigger problem. And that is what the law has come to do. Paul has come and he said, realize, he realized, listen man, I've got a bigger problem than what I thought. My problem is I've got a mortal body and who will deliver me from this body of death? And in saying that, he was correcting the Jews. He was saying to the Jews again, listen man, when I was under the law, and we can go and read it there, the good that I wanted to do, I couldn't do. When I was in the flesh, having my boast in the fact that I'm a Jew and of trying to do the law, do the right thing to, um, to see the kingdom of God established in the world. When I was doing that, I found that in my flesh, in, in this human ability to keep the law is nothing good for the good that I want to do, I cannot do. And the bad that I don't want to do, that I do. Therefore, I conclude that when Ever I stand and make my boast in the flesh or in the fact that I'm a Jew and that I can keep the law, I find that evil is with me. And therefore I conclude that in my flesh dwells nothing good that can lead unto eternal life. I need somebody that can raise my body from mortality unto immortality and glory be to God through Jesus Christ so now it is by grace through Jesus by God's ability to keep his promise through the man Jesus that is what Paul is saying in Romans 7 so he's saying in Romans 5 it's only by faith not by uh, your flesh Romans 6 he shuts the back door that the Jews could have but should we now continue in this old system that we can be a light unto the world saying to everybody listen don't find your boldness in the flesh no way God didn't reveal this so that you cannot be free he revealed the truth so that you can be free believe the truth now then chapter 7 let me explain it to you this way if you are going to live by the flesh you're going to find you bear forth fruit unto death but Christ has died and was raised for, for this reason, that you should now be married to another, that you should let go of this old way of thinking about yourself. It's correcting the Jews here. It's not about your flesh. It's not about being a Jew. It is about Christ and you putting your confidence in God, keeping his promise. That is what this whole thing is all about. And Paul is saying that knowing that there are some Gentiles there that has started to put their confidence in the flesh. They started to think, well, you know, God basically hates Jews and we are Gentiles. And because the Jews didn't obey, God has now looked at other flesh, has looked at the Gentiles and is blessing non-Jews. And we are non-Jews. Glory to God. So the blessing is ours. What was theirs is now ours. And Paul is lining them up to sharply rebuke them as we get into chapter uh, especially chapter 11 is going to sharply rebuke them. So Paul is just setting this thing up and he is saying to people, you cannot find life by your own works. Let us just summarize um, this, this, this whole thing.
And I'm going to read just two or three verses and, and summarize it. He says, For sin, the sin a this is 11, a desire or condition where you have no life, but you desire it, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Remember, sin, according to Romans 5, is the weakness in the flesh. The weakness in our flesh, Paul says, it has deceived me. He thought that by his flesh he can do it. But he was deceived because that weakness inside him, he didn't see that weakness. He just thought, well, I'm a Jew and I can do it. But he was deceived because the moment he started to do it and he started to live by the law, trying to see the kingdom of God manifest, seeing righteousness manifest, seeing holiness manifest, he realized that in his flesh dwells nothing good. It's almost like Adam and Eve. Um, you know, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there. Uh, the devil came, told Eve, you know, here's the knowledge of good and evil. She said, well, this is desirable to make me wise. And that was a Jewish way of saying wise unto life. By doing these things in my flesh, I'm going to attain unto life. And then when she started to do it, she found herself naked. Naked, 2 Corinthians 5, it defines naked as not clothed with eternal life, mortal. And then she saw her mortality and she was ashamed of her mortality. And this is what Paul is talking about here, church. This is what he's talking about here. But he says the law came and, um, and that, that our weakness might appear as a true weakness so that we can know we can never have life by our own works. Paul goes on and says, that which I allow not, um, that I do, and that which I want to do, uh, that I do not. He says, if then I do that which I do not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, then it is no more I that do it, but the weakness that is in my flesh to do it, that causes all of this. That is his conclusion. This is what caused it. And what is the solution? He shout out and he says, I delight after the law of God, after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, in my body, warring against my mind that says, do the right thing. And it brings me into the captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. I'm captive to my inability to do the right thing. I'm captive. I'm, I'm dying. And then his conclusion is, a wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? from the body of death. Oh my goodness. We thought that the grace of God was delivering us from the Gentiles. But grace has become something much bigger now. It is now God's ability delivering us from our mortality, giving us eternal life. Him cleaning up our flesh. Him saving us. Him making us holy and righteous. Him bringing eternal life to us. All of a sudden I know the way that I thought would bring me life is no way at all. How will I have life? Jesus died and he was raised and he trusted the Father. So what will we do? The Bible says, if you believe in him that raised Jesus from the dead and you can confess that this Jesus whom he raised from the dead now rules over sin and death, you shall also be saved. From what? From the sin in the flesh. And his spirit will then bring forth his fruit in our lives. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? Romans 7, 8, 5, 6, 7, 8. So beautiful. Next week we're going to jump into Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to explain in the context of what I've said here. What it means to say, there is therefore now no condemnation for them. 
who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So how do you make this practical for yourself in everyday life? I just say it this way. I cannot sort out my own life by my own works. I trust the Father and I simply say, practically in prayer, I say, God, I'm under your power. You raised Christ from the dead and Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is the Lord over my life. And the things that there is in this mortal body that can bring destruction to me, I found no confidence in my own ability to do things. I only find confidence in God's ability to bring life to this body. And that's how God brings life to my thoughts, life to my actions, and I find His life manifesting in me now. Paul says it this way, The life I live now, I don't live according to the flesh, but by the power of Jesus. So yes, in this flesh is life, but not by our doing, by Him. Glory to God. I trust this has blessed you. Go and listen to this message a few times, you know, even if you just play it on your phone and just let your mind catch some phrases here and there and let your mind go along the lines of these thoughts and you'll find just how it enriches you every day. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that I can stretch forth my hand to the my hands to the people watching. I declare them blessed. I declare them flooded with life and flooded with revelation of your truth. Amen and amen. Thank you so much and we will talk again next week. God bless. Just do.